Good evening. Tonight's reading is taken from the book of Matthew. If you're using the church Bibles, you can find that on page 811. We will be reading chapter 6, verses 19 through to 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. Cameron, thank you for reading for us. Um, we're going to spend a bit of time just thinking about what Jesus says here. Uh, in this passage, it will help you if you have your Bible open in front of you. We just find that's helpful as we work our way through. Uh, we'll just go verse by verse looking through the text. Um, but also, if you, if you find it helpful, um, on the back of the service sheet, there's just a rough outline of where we're going to go. Um, if you'd like to make notes, feel free to do that. Let's pray uh, as we begin. Well, God, our Father, we thank you for all that we have heard and seen already this evening. Uh, thank you for the words of the songs that we've sung. And Lord, we thank you particularly for the reading of your word uh, that we've heard just now. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us as we seek to understand your word. Uh, Would you move our hearts? Would you change us? Would you conform us to the image of your son, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, about 2,000 years ago, on a hillside by the shores of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus Christ, surrounded by his disciples, And the gathering crowds gave 
his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And what we've just had read to us is just an extract from that sermon, which we've been looking at over a period of weeks and we'll continue to look at over the next few weeks. Now, some of you may have just parachuted into um, this week, uh, so let me just give you some of the background. Uh, Jesus, uh, Matthew's big claim about Jesus in his gospel is that Jesus is God's king. He's God's ruler on earth. And that he's bringing in God's kingdom on earth. He's been saying in this sermon that if we will repent, if we will bow the knee to him and trust in him, just as we've heard Haley say that she's done tonight, that we can be part of his kingdom, both in the here and now and lasting into eternity. And Jesus has been using his sermon to teach his followers what that kingdom is like and what life in that kingdom is like. And so he's told them that the life of his subjects, they'll be radically changed. They'll be changed from the inside out as his righteousness takes hold in their hearts. He said that they'll be distinctive, they'll be different from the world, they'll be salt and light in the world. And he's told them that their inner spiritual lives will be transformed so that they match their outer religious lives. There'll be no hypocrisy in them. And that's where we've got to in our sermon. Now, just as that was read, just a cursory glance, particularly at the second half of the text, of verses 19 to 34, it's page 811, Just the second half tells us what this section is all about. Therefore, in the beginning of verse 25, it connects the second half to the first. Just have a look with me, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Or flick over the page to verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious. And verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. So it's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's all about anxiety. Now we live in a world where anxiety is a big issue, isn't it? Now I don't know the experiences of everybody in the room here, but it's fair to say that anxiety is something that all of us will struggle with at some point. All the stats tell us that, and they say that it's an increasingly common issue in the workplace today, and it's the leading mental health issue amongst young people. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because there not there so much to be anxious about? We're anxious about our relationships, our friendships, about our romantic relationships, about our kids, about our parents. And we're anxious about our exams. Many students here will know that. We're anxious about our work, our careers, and even our retirements. We're anxious about the financial situations that we're in. How are we going to pay the mortgage if the rates keep going up? We're anxious about our health, that appointment that's around the corner where we fear the worst. And of course, we're anxious about our world, aren't we? About the state of our country, about the conflicts in Ukraine and in Palestine and so many other places. And on top of all that, we may just be anxious, but don't know why. Well, the people of Jesus' day, they were no different to us. The world was just as troubled then, and their lives were just as troubled then. They had all the same concerns that we have. We are anxious. 
Now, what do we do? Well, as modern people, we might turn to counselling or to behavioural therapy or to medication. Those things can be helpful. But can I encourage us tonight to listen to Jesus Christ? Jesus is the great physician. As God in the flesh, he knows better than us and better than anyone the human condition. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the troubles of this world. And he knows the future. And Jesus Christ tells these people, and he tells us tonight, that we no longer need to be anxious. Now, if that's true, well, what a difference that could make to our lives. Don't you think? Well, let's listen to what he says. Now, as any great doctor does, Jesus first identifies the underlying cause before he then tells us the cure. So first of all, then, the cause of anxiety, verse 19 to 24. This is the first half of our passage. Now, Jesus gives us three pictures here to help us to understand why we're so anxious. And the pictures are that of treasure, of sight, and of slavery. The first cause of anxiety is this, Jesus says, that we have the wrong treasure. This is verse 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now in the ancient world, wealth was kept not in bank accounts and on spreadsheets, but in possessions. It was in housing, it was in clothes, and it was in precious metals. But the problem, of course, is that those things don't last. Moths devour the best clothes, the most precious of metals, they tarnish over time. And anything at all that you own is vulnerable to thieves. And though our wealth is kept in different places today, it doesn't take much to ruin that either, does it? Rising inflation, credit crunches, stock market collapses... Well, they all have much the same effect. Material wealth is perishable and it gives no lasting security. That's Jesus' point. It's perishable and gives no lasting security. But Jesus encourages his followers to invest in a treasure that is both more valuable and more secure. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So there are basically two options for us. We can either treasure things of this world or treasure the things of heaven. Invest in eternal things, says Jesus, by trusting in him, by living for him, and you will secure a treasure that you can never lose. And then Jesus says something very interesting, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now it's not where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in other words, your treasure, the thing that you place your security in, will lead your heart. 
And this is how it connects to anxiety. See, in the face of an uncertain future, we're all after security. We're all after control of our circumstances. And we think that we can gain security by gaining material wealth and possessions. We think, look, if only I can have this kind of house, if only I have this level of savings in my account, if only I have this size pot in my pension, well, then I'll be okay, then I'll be safe, then I'll be secure. But Jesus points out that those things are not actually secure. Moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. It actually, therefore, has the opposite effect on our hearts. It leads our hearts into greater insecurity, into anxiety. We cannot trust that those things will actually give us the security that we so desperately long for. We have the wrong treasure, and so our hearts are anxious. That's the first cause of our anxiety. The second one is this, it's wrong sight. This is verse 22 to 23. Verse 22, the eye of, is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now this picture is slightly trickier for us to get our heads around, but it's this. If our eyes are healthy, we can see properly and therefore we can function properly. But if our eyes are diseased, well then our whole body is affected, isn't it? We walk around in darkness, we're unable to function properly. And Jesus here is saying that what's true physically is also true spiritually. Where we look affects the whole person. If we look at the Lord and his kingdom, we'll have light. But if our gaze is fixed on the world and the things of this world, well then we'll have darkness. Now, when we think about it, we actually know this to be true, and particularly when it comes to anxiety. We know that what we spend our time looking at directly impacts how anxious we are. Now, just one example of that comes from the release of Facebook back in 2004. A survey by MIT, the great university in America, of college students who had started to use Facebook when it first hit the scene showed that anxiety in those who used it went up by 20% compared to those who weren't using it. And it got worse for the longer that they used it. And the researchers said that it was social comparison between the users that drove those greater levels of anxiety. So people saw what, what others had in their lives, or at least what they pretended to have in their lives, and therefore they were anxious that they were missing out uh, from something from their own lives. And similar research shows that that's true of pretty much all other social media platforms um, as well. Now, that's just one example of a host of things that we spend our time uh, looking at. That's not to say that all social media uh, is bad, but it does indicate to us that Jesus knows what he's talking about, that what we look at deeply affects us. And when our eye is fixed upon what the world offers to us, 
our hearts become filled with anxiety because we feel that what, we're, what we need in life to be happy, we are missing. Now later on, Jesus will direct our gaze elsewhere as we come to his cure. But for now, let's just recognize the problem that Jesus identifies and what he says here is true. He says you're anxious because you're looking in the wrong direction. You're looking in the wrong places. And then a third cause. This is a slavery picture. This is verse 24. We have the wrong master. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now here Jesus is making his strongest statement yet. He says that our anxiety is caused by our slavery to the wrong master. So the Bible teaches that we are created beings, that we're created by a loving king who rules us with kindness and with grace. To serve God is to be who we are made to be. And if we're devoted to him, then we find comfort and security and love, all that we need for this life. But what we've done is we've turned from his gracious rule and therefore we've become enslaved to this world and particularly to material things, to money. And money's a cruel master because it always promises the security that we long for, but it never delivers. And it's always demanding more attention, isn't it? It's always demanding more service, no matter how much we have. It enslaves us, says Jesus. It becomes what we live for, what our lives revolve around. We spend our lives in pursuit of wealth, of thinking about it, working for it, accumulating it, and then, of course, worrying about it. So here's the diagnosis that Jesus gives us for our anxiety. It's like any good doctor. He asks us questions. Where is your treasure? In heaven or on earth? What are you looking at? At him or at the world? And whom do you serve? To whom is your allegiance placed? To God or to money? Jesus exposes the cause of our anxiety. It's the wrong things that we have placed our security in, what we spend our time looking at and what we've devoted ourselves to. The possessions, the wealth, the things of this world, which do not last which distract our gaze from what is good and which will enslave us to a life of uncertainty. That's the cause. But praise God, that's not a terminal diagnosis. There is a cure, and that's what Jesus goes on to tell us from verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So here we have the cure for anxiety. Verse 25 to 33. Uh, the first part of the cure is think about nature, verse 25 to 30. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Now, I want us to just notice here that what Jesus doesn't do is just say, don't worry, as if that would be enough in itself. Of course, that wouldn't work, would it? Now, what he does is he reasons with us. He tells us to look and to think. And first of all, he draws our attention to practical examples of everyday things that we tend to worry about, food and drink and our bodies and clothing. The people Jesus was speaking to, they were on the whole, they were poor people, and, and these things weren't luxuries. They were things that um, were, for them were often in jeopardy. They were necessities that they could lose overnight, a bad harvest, lack of employment, and these things could disappear. But if you just look at what he's talking about here, of course, for, though for many of us in the West, these things aren't in jeopardy, at least not immediately, isn't it striking that for many of us today, These things are still huge sources of worry in our lives, aren't they? Don't we give so much of our time thinking to whether we've eaten too much or too little? Or we're anxious about our bodies, the size and shape of them? Or what others might think about our appearance if we wear this outfit or that outfit? Isn't that true? The human heart is still the same, whether we have plenty or uh, we have little Now, Jesus starts with giving us some healthy perspective. He says, look, these things are important, but they're not the most important things. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, these things aren't, they're not nothing, but they're not everything. Get some perspective. Don't give these things more thought space than they require. Next, Jesus tells his followers that we can begin to cure our anxiety very practically by looking at nature, the birds and the flowers, uh, to be precise. So verse 26, look at the birds of the air. He really means this, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So you see those seagulls that when you walk along Portobello promenades? And you see those sparrows that when you stroll through the meadows on your way to work in the morning? Do they have pension plans? Do they have money put away for a rainy day? Of course not. They live day to day. They don't know where their next meal comes from. Your heavenly Father feeds them with seeds and with bugs and with worms and if uh, you're a seagull with your chips. He feeds them. And do you see how Jesus' argument works? It works from lesser to greater. Are you not of more value than they? Of course you are. You're made in the image of God. And if you're in the kingdom of God, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ... Well, then you have a father in heaven, and to him you are his most precious child. Of course, then, he's going to meet your needs. Being anxious won't add even a minute to the length of your life. You can trust your father to care for you. Look at the birds and think, says Jesus. And then the flowers, verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Take a walk up on the braids, go and stroll through the botanics at some point uh, this week, and again, look and think. Solomon, the most splendid of all of Israel's kings, in all his royal regalia, he was never as glorious as the lilies of the field or the grass of the meadows. Yet they don't even work a day in their lives. They don't toil or spin. Verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So here's the first part of Jesus' cure for anxiety for those in his kingdom. And isn't it practical? Look at nature and think about what it means. Look at the birds and the flowers. See how God cares for them. And then take the next step of logic in your mind and realize that, of course, you're much more precious to God your Father because you've been made his child. And then reason with yourself that there's nothing, therefore, for you to be anxious about. Nothing at all. Now, Jesus doesn't here claim that that's just going to be an instant thing. He doesn't claim that that's always easy to do. But he does claim that if we will learn to do this, that this will become our experience as we live in the kingdom of God. So that's the first part of the cure, look at nature. Here's the second part and the major part of the cure uh, in verse 31 uh, to 34. Seek first the kingdom. Now in the early uh, part of the passage, um, we saw that the, one of the causes of our anxiety is our attempts to seek out material things now in this life, to try and accumulate them, to try and build security for ourselves and control our environment. And so it makes sense then that Jesus would propose an alternative thing for us to seek instead. And this is what he says in verse 31. Therefore do not be anxious, saying what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So here's the cure, right in the middle there, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is the absolute shift that needs to take place in our hearts if we're to experience a life free from anxiety. That is that the chief focus and drive of our lives must not be the things that we want in life, not even the things that we need in life, but it's to be the progress of the kingdom of God in the world, to see his kingdom grow on earth. We move from seeking to secure our own kingdom, which cannot last, to making our life's focus the kingdom that lasts forever. Seek first the kingdom, and you'll get everything else anyway. But not just that, it's also seek first his righteousness. That's really critical that we notice 
that it's his righteousness that we're to seek and not our own. So what this reveals really is the heart of the matter. See, there is this deep-seated anxiety in every human heart because we know that we are not right with God. Deep down, we know that we are sinners and that our sin deserves God's judgment. And we know that our own efforts at righteousness, they cannot cover the debt of sin that is against us. And so we're anxious because deep down we know what the future holds for us. The fearsome prospect of losing everything in the judgment to come. That, if you like, is the ultimate anxiety behind all the other anxieties. The fear of judgment, the fear of losing everything when we face God. But Jesus has a cure for that too. Just a few years after he gave this sermon, Jesus went to die on a Roman cross. And when he did, in that moment, for all who would come and trust in him, an exchange took place. Our sin was counted against him so that he was treated as our sinful record deserves. He bore the wrath of God in our place. And then in exchange, his righteousness, his perfect record, was counted towards those who trust in him. So that we are treated as he deserves, as children of God. For in his kingdom, that's what we are. He loses everything for us, so that we might be given everything from our heavenly Father in return. Now, do you see what that might do to your anxiety? When we seek that and we find that for ourselves, it takes it all away. Because of the cross, you can know and be confident that you are right with God the Father. You have the righteousness of Christ. And so you need never fear his judgment. Jesus has dealt with the biggest source of our anxiety, the judgment we deserve. And so, of course, he can deal with all the other things that we're worried about. See, the degree to which you grab hold, that you seek the truth of the cross, is the degree to which you'll be free from anxiety in this life. Because if Jesus, by his death, has made you right with God, your heavenly Father if he has secured a place for you in his eternal kingdom where you'll inherit the earth itself, well then what does it matter if you lose every earthly security now? You don't need to worry. The cross is what makes us free. Free from sin, free from death, free from judgment, and therefore free from Anxiety, free from the fear of losing everything. This is the life that Jesus offers to those who will bow the knee to him, to those who will trust in him. It's the life that Haley has discovered for herself. Do you want that kind of life? 
There's only one way to get it. It's to turn and place your future, your whole life, into the arms of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Our Father, we began our time this evening by thinking about all the different things that we could be anxious about in this life. Our Father, as we've heard the words of Jesus, we come to you. And Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We give ourselves into your hands. And we thank you that as we do that, we can know that you are a loving Father. That Jesus Christ has done all that is necessary to make us right with you. That he gave and lost everything so that we might gain the kingdom of heaven. Our Father, would you reassure us tonight, and I don't know if there's anyone here, particularly tonight, who's feeling very, very anxious at this time. Lord, please, would you reassure their hearts that you love them and that you have done everything for them and that they are secure in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.